Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. Hope you guys are all doing well. I do want to say in the beginning of this episode, before I get into two very juicy, very interesting stories about art. So if you guys have a soft spot for the art world, you guys are going to love these stories. But before I get into all that, I just want to say or declare the obvious if you guys listened to last week's episode. So as you guys know, I touched on Zoe 101, like the best show in history, like my preteen obsession last week, and particularly the time capsule episode. So if you guys haven't listened to last week's episode, it would help if you go back and listen to it, or I guess you don't really have to. I'll just kind of sum up what happened. So I talked about that episode and that show last week. And honestly, I don't even know the last time I've spoken to anyone about Zoe 101, let alone a public platform. But crazy enough, like literally the day I released that episode, it was announced that they're working on a new season of Zoe 101, like a reboot of sorts. And I don't know if it's going to be a movie or a TV show. I actually, it's escaping me. It might be a movie, honestly. But like I heard that like the old cast is on board and all of you guys were sending me those stories or like the news break of Zoe 101 being rebooted. And I just am shook that somehow like my subconscious just like knew, like I predicted it. Like in the episode, I'm pretty sure I said like, it's kind of a shame that nothing ever happened after the, I believe it was like 2015, they released that YouTube clip saying that the time capsule had been dug up and Chase runs out the door to go find Zoe. Like I was like, oh, it's such a shame that we don't know what happened. Well, now we're going to figure it out. Like if this goes through as it's promised, like obviously there's been other reboots that haven't even happened, like Lizzie McGuire, they were working on that. And then it was abandoned because many reasons, like it just wasn't the right platform because they wanted it to be a bit more risque and Disney was not okay with that. There's like all the reasons for that. And there's been so many reboots promised that just like haven't actually happened and everyone gets so excited for no reason because it doesn't end up happening. So I hope this one does. I mean, I don't know how I feel about Jamie Lynn Spears. I feel like everyone can agree with that. Like she's annoying right now, given the whole Britney of it all. Uh, But I do want to know what happened to all those characters. Like, I do want to know where the story goes. Also, I don't know if Dan Schneider is going to be involved in it because he was before, but now all these allegations have come out about him and how bad he was, scary he was. So a little bit hairy, the unearthing or the the reboot of this show might be, but I'm very curious. I want to know what happened to the characters. Like, everyone involved, yes, there's some hairy stuff that's really, you know, quite concerning, but I am, at the end of the day, curious about what happened to the characters. Like, do Zoe and Chase end up together? I don't know. I want to know. I want to know what happened to Michael and everyone else, Victoria Justice, whoever she plays, I forget, um, Quinn, and there's other ones as well. The brother, Logan, my celebrity crush. Yep. So anyway, just wanted to say that because thank you to everyone who sent me those articles and was like, Katie, you literally predicted this because I don't know how I did it, but I guess I did. (laughs) Evidently, I did. Anyway, guys, Zoe 101 or Zoe 102, sorry, aside, today's episode's a good one. I just want to preface, like I got into everything that I'm talking about today because I love art. I have such an appreciation for it. And not to get all sappy on you guys, but I have certainly experienced moments and days where I've just been like brutally rejected, okay? Like I've tried really hard for something and just got, you know, dumped in the dirt, face planted, 
totally the opposite of what I expected to happen. And especially in either like the job scene of trying to get a job somewhere and trying to apply for something, applying for an apartment. Like you're constantly in this life, putting yourself out there and trying to get something that you believe you deserve. Sometimes you maybe don't feel like you deserve it and you're just kind of shooting for the stars. But when you really work for something and you feel like you deserve it, like a relationship, maybe like you've been dating someone or going on dates for a while with someone and then they end up rejecting you. And after that, you kind of sit with it for a minute. You do the work to realize how great you are, whether it be through therapy or talking to your friends or just realizing that like, no, wait a second. Yeah, that happened. I was rejected, but it wasn't a reflection of me because I am great. Like this person or this job or this apartment complex just didn't recognize my greatness. Like I am worthy. I'm great. You like do all those things, right? You do the work to realize that. But even if you do that, sometimes it can feel like, I don't know, personally, I feel the rejection after rejection after rejection can take a toll and make you feel like you're not special or like no one really sees you. No one really knows that you exist. You know, like you can feel like that. You can feel like something that's hidden away and no one really sees you kind of invisible, you know? So Keep this in mind during today's first story, and I'm not going to tell you guys anything else because I don't want to spoil the story, and I've done that before, so I'm going to try not to, but if you guys can relate to that and you like art, you have an appreciation for the arts, you guys are going to absolutely eat up today's stories. So let's get started with the first one. Our story begins in February of 2016 in Des Moines, Iowa. Fun fact, I just learned how to say Des Moines today because I thought that you pronounced the S's this whole time. I thought it was Des Moines, but I was humbled today when I looked up the pronunciation to make sure because I always, for these episodes, look up how to say things because I have been wrong before and I found out I was wrong. So anyway, I digress. Our story begins in February of 2016 in Des Moines, Iowa. At the time, this guy named Robert Warren was the executive director of Hoyt Sherman Place, which was this historic mansion that is now used as a theater and meeting place. And Robert was looking for some vintage flags from the Civil War era to celebrate President's Day. So he's running around the building trying to find these flags. That's what he's doing on this particular workday that ended up being unlike any other. For context, the building, which was, of course, a former mansion, as I said, was named Hoyt Sherman Place because it was previously built in 1877 by Major Hoyt Sherman and served as his home. Hoyt was a prominent banker and businessman in Iowa, but now, like I said, it's a theater and meeting space. And for many years, the Hoyt Sherman Place has served as headquarters for Des Moines Women's Club. And this detail will be important later in our story. So tuck that away. Anyway, so back to Robert, the executive director of the space in 2016, where our story begins. Robert was looking for those vintage Civil War flags because he was scheduled for a President's Day appearance on a local morning show called Great Day Iowa. Hoyt Sherman, the previous owner of the mansion that Robert now works in, was actually appointed Union Army Paymaster by President Abraham Lincoln himself during the war, which makes sense because he was a banker by trade, Hoyt was. So Robert, in 2016, wanted to bring a little slice of history in for his interview on the morning show about Hoyt. Really jazzed some things up. He seems like 
the perfect overachiever, you know, like let me wave some flags around during this interview and really knock their socks off. You know, that's the desired effect he was looking for. So he was looking to find these flags and he didn't know where they were. So he asked around and a fellow staff member pointed him towards the rarely touched storeroom under the theater's second story balcony. So they said that he might be able to find the flags stored there. No one really knew where they were. They were obviously old and tucked away. He didn't know where they were. So Robert went, he tried to investigate, and he went under the balcony and into that storeroom. There, he noticed a lot of junk, like a lot of just like dusty junk, but nestled between a plaster wall and a table, he saw what looked like an oil painting sitting on the floor. And this struck Robert as being odd because it just seemed a bit out of place. Like, There's junk everywhere, and they have a full-on art display, like an art area where these paintings are well cared for and hung and admired. What is this, like, what appears to be a painting doing in this space? Like, why is it sitting on the floor? And how long has it been here? So he gets down lower to inspect it, and he noticed it was a painting of a backside. Yes, a person's butt. (laughs) Or that's all he could see from his angle before pulling it out of its hiding place and shaking the dust off. And he said to CNN that he didn't think it was anything of value. He wasn't sure why it would have been in that closet. So when he flipped the painting over, he saw what he thought was an auction sticker. And this got his wheels turning even more because he's like, why is an auctioned piece sitting in this storeroom? Like it might be worth something if it was auctioned, like someone purchased it or didn't purchase it and why. So after a bit of research, it turns out the sticker was actually not an auction sticker at all. It was a museum tag and not just any museum tag. It was from the New York Metropolitan Museum of Art, aka The Met, here in New York City, amazing museum that I've been to and love and need to go back to soon. It's been a minute. So this means like it once had been displayed in the Met, which as you know, like extremely valuable paintings and art pieces are displayed in the Met. This tag identified it as being by an artist named Federico Barocchio, who actually does not exist. Like that's not a person or at least a famous painter. So it was actually a misspelling of Italian Renaissance painter and printmaker Federico Barocci. But it turns out it wasn't even just a misspelling. Like it was a complete misidentification. Like it was even more incorrect than being a misspelling of an artist's name. After doing further research, art scholars involved ultimately deduced that the painting was not by Barocci at all, or Barocchio, whoever that is, but a different artist entirely. It was actually by a man named Otto van Ven, a Dutch artist. And Robert was really surprised to find a painting on the floor, but specifically this painting because it was made from a wood panel canvas. So it was a wood panel painting. And I did some reading and historically wood panels were used for paintings long before people found out that they could use more flexible fabric canvases and such. So people were painting on these wood panels. But then, of course, people discovered fabrics and other ways to paint, you know, aside from using wood panels that were cheaper and easier to work with and all those things. But this detail alone indicated to Robert, this must have been a really old painting, right? He's like, wow, this is a form, like a medium that was used so long ago. Like, what is this thing doing here on the floor 
like rotting away, no one seeing it, no one looking at it. Like it could be by a nobody, but why is like any sort of old painting sitting on the floor? Like there was a lot of question marks. Plus it had really bad water damage from being kept in that closet for so long, perhaps, you know, five or six decades. So what Robert found on the floor that day was hidden treasure. He struck gold. So a bit more about the artist Otto Van Ven. He is in every major museum. The Louvre, the Portrait Gallery, the Rubens Estate, and the paintings that have been sold from Van Ven have been valued between $4 million and $17 million, Robert said in a CNN video. According to a press release, the painting is called Apollo and Venus, and it was painted between 1595 and 1600, hence the wood panel aspect of it. It shows a completely naked Venus as an artist painting the Mountain of Love, which is what it sounds like. If you guys look up the painting, you'll see it's like a mountain that Venus is painting on a large canvas. And then next to her is Apollo, and he's holding this small U-shaped harp in his hand. And then thirdly, little Cupid is standing just below Venus, clutching his miniature bow. So the painting also shows on the floor Venus's painting supplies, as well as a collection of jewelry, a bowl of oysters, roses, and a basket of fruit and flowers. And it's really a gorgeous painting. Once Robert realized that he might have stumbled across something very valuable, he sent it to an art conservator, Barry Bowman, who is a world renowned restorationist, famously known for restoring paintings for nonprofits and museums pro bono. So a really standout guy. So when Bowman saw the painting, he was like, oh snap, we've got something good here. He spent four months meticulously cleaning layers of discolored varnish off the painting and resetting the flaking paint. The finished product was unveiled in late March of, I believe, 2017. It was hard to find exactly what year, but I assume it was like the next year. At Hoyt Sherman Place, of course, the Iowa mansion where the painting was hidden away for all of those years. So the grand question is, why? Why was such a masterpiece valued at millions of dollars hidden in a storage closet in the first place? Like, why the heck was it there? So in order to answer that question, we first have to start at the Met. So like I said, that Met sticker was found on the painting, which meant that it was there at some point in time. So there was some research done to figure out when it was there, why it was there, all the things, and that will lead us to our answer. So according to CNN, the painting was originally loaned to the Met by a man named Nason Bartholomew Collins. And I believe it's Nason. It's spelled like Jason, and everything I could find online said Nason, but what an interesting name. So Nason, he originally owned this artwork and he was a businessman known for charitable work that he did in Iowa and his home state of New York. And it was on display at the Met from 1881 to 1886. And fun fact, a little bit more history for you about the Met, if you ever want to visit or have visited and want to know this, the Met was actually at its current location where it is now, like on Fifth Avenue, it was opened in 1880. And the Met existed before this in 1870, but not at its current official location where it would remain to this day. Like it's still there. It actually moved to its current spot on Fifth Ave in 1880 and became this obviously cemented official thing, it kind of bopped around a bit before that, if that makes sense. So Nason, he loaned the painting to the Met pretty much right after it officially opened. Like it must have made him feel very important, or maybe he felt compelled since it was such a big deal, you know, that this place was opening. So it opened in 1880 officially, and 1881 to 1886 was when he allowed the Met to show his prized painting. 
So eventually Nason moved to Des Moines, Iowa, and he took the painting with him. He said, sorry, Matt, this is mine. I'm taking it back with me to Iowa. Well, I guess he was from New York, but for some reason he did a lot of charitable work in Iowa. I wonder if that's just like after he left New York, he did that or he was doing it all the while. I don't really know. But he went to Iowa. And once he passed away, one of his family members donated the Van Ven painting and four other paintings to the Des Moines Women's Club. Like I said earlier, the Women's Club is actually housed at Hoyt Sherman Place. That's their meeting place. And because of this donation, they established an art gallery. So this extremely expensive painting, along with four other paintings, were donated to the Women's Club. They were the owners, I guess, of these paintings. And it's kind of a mystery, like what happened? Why did this one painting not get hung? You know, the other four were hung. Why this one painting? Why was it the outcast? And Robert Warren said that he's not really sure exactly why this prized painting was stashed under the theater, but he has two theories. So either it was put there because it needed some repair work, which I don't really understand that. Like, why would you see a very expensive painting that was once in the Met and say, okay, it needs repair work. Let's throw it in this closet on the ground. Like, it wasn't even wrapped up in bubble wrap or something like it was just strewn like on the ground thrown there haphazardly why would you do that to a painting especially if it needs repair work like especially if it's going through it you know like why would you do that so that was the first option that he came up with or the second option which i think i mean i don't know just a hunch here makes a little bit more sense so the painting itself i told you guys it's literally like the backside of venus so it's like full but full nudity, okay? And this painting was donated in 1952. So it might've just been a little too risque for the women's club. They were like, you know, in 1950s America, they were like, well, this is just a little bit much. Like, do we want to be known for this painting? You know, despite how expensive and nice it was. And Venus, you know, she was the largest in the painting front and center, is showing her complete butt. So it might've just been too risque to be displayed. And Robert Warren told CNN that there were in the collection no other nudes in any other paintings in the gallery. So it's a very sensual painting. And he said that that might've been the reason. And honestly, I can see it now. The scene is materializing in my head because I'm like, okay, some woman, one of the women, one of the more particularly, what's the word? Like conservative women or like, yeah, godly women. I don't know. I don't know who this person was, but she was like, let me just throw this painting in the closet. Like, oh, where'd the painting go? I don't know. What a mystery. What a tragedy. And she knew all the while she had hidden this painting. Like, I can just see this woman now. I don't even know if this is true, but it's such a mystery. And it begs the question, like, was the nudity just too much for women in the 1950s in this town of Iowa? You know, like, what was the reason for it? But this guy, Robert, stumbled across this unreal painting, like something he could never even imagine. Like no day of work will be just as interesting as that day when he was looking for these flags. I wonder if he found the flags. I don't know actually if he found the flags, but he found, he stumbled across this painting. And while the paperwork indicates that the painting was valued at $1,500 when it first came into possession of the women's club in the 50s, it's likely to be worth millions of dollars today 
in the current art market. But Robert Warren says the historic home has no plans on selling the painting. Rather, it will be hung in its art gallery once extra security is set up, which makes a lot of sense because this is a very expensive painting. So... Yes, I think it's a good ending to the story. Like it's finally restored. It's going to be viewed and admired. Like, do you ever feel sometimes like a priceless piece of art in a storage closet under a theater where no one can find you and you just have water damage and you're just like, will anyone ever find me? Like, do you ever feel like that? (laughs) Do you ever feel like Van Ven, the painter, rolling in his grave every time someone walks by the door to the closet? thinking, oh my God, I spent so much time on this thing and no one's looking at it. And it was once in the Met and now no one cares. Like I can't imagine the ghostly feeling of knowing your work is not being viewed. But what an interesting story. I mean, I have all the sources linked for that one, but I do have one other story to share while we're on the subject of art being wrongfully treated. I want to discuss something that happened in a completely different part of the world And it's just wild. So our next tale is taking us to a different time and place. We are going to South Korea and it's March 28th, 2021, which I just had to stop myself and realize that 2021 was not just like one year ago, but pretty much two whole years ago now, depending on the month. But time is just flying, guys. Oh my God, I can't believe it's 2023. Like if I was still in school, I probably would be writing 2022 on my papers, you know? But anyway, so we're in South Korea. It is March and a young couple was spending their Sunday at the Lot World Mall in Seoul. And this is so darn cute. Like it is my goal, my dream to have a cute, wholesome museum day with my future boyfriend. Like they were living my dream in this story. If you've ever done this with your significant other, you are living my dream. That is what I want to do. But anyway, so this couple, they were walking around the Lot World Mall in Seoul and came upon a room called the Street Noise Exhibit. And this exhibit was particularly modern because it displayed works from graffiti artists from across the globe, very interpretive stuff, like just classic graffiti art that you would you know, you would see and be like, that is graffiti art. It was called the Street Noise Exhibit for a reason. So they were in this exhibit and they came across one particular painting that really caught their attention. And it was called Untitled by John Andrew Perello, also known as John One. And John is a graffiti artist born in New York, right here. Every story just brings us back to New York for some reason. I don't know why. Not coincidental, but maybe. I don't know. But anyway, so he was born in New York, but he's now living and working in Paris. And John One actually lived here in the city during the Studio 54 days and rubbed elbows with the likes of John michel Basquiat and Andy Warhol. So he is legit. And today, John One is 59 years old. They saw John One's painting called Untitled Hanging in the Exhibit. And this particular painting had been done by John One in front of a live audience for the Great Graffiti Show at the Seoul Arts Center back in 2016. And if you look up photos of it, just type in Untitled by John One. It's a colorful, very abstract piece. And it almost looks like he like picked up a bunch of different paint cans, like different colors, and like threw them at the canvas. But it looks really, really beautiful. I love it. And you know, because artists have their way and their methods and how they want things to be presented, he decided that he wanted to leave all of the cans and the paintbrushes underneath the artwork. And that was how it was to be displayed. Like it almost looked like he had just done it 
So we decided to leave those cans and brushes underneath. And it just added to the whole aesthetic, I guess. It made it look fresh and intentional, like it had just been done, that sort of thing, even though it was made in 2016 and it's now 2021 in our story. So John's untitled painting was the only one in the gallery without a frame due to its massive size. It measured 22.9 feet by 7.8 feet. So it's certainly eye-catching, large, colorful, draws a lot of eyeballs. So there they were, this couple walking around the gallery. They come across untitled, the John one painting, saw the paint cans and the brushes in front of the painting, placed just behind the borderline. So you know those like lines where you're not allowed to step over it or maybe an alarm will sound or someone will come grab you and say you're not allowed to get that close, that sort of thing. Like there are lines on the ground. And in the CCTV footage, you can see the couple like reaching over the line and just inviting themselves to take a stab at the painting. They stepped over the line, they picked up a brush and the paint and began adding their own strokes to the painting. They had thought that because the tools were right there, like it was a collaborative piece where they were invited to participate. So they added three large black splotches to a $440,000 painting. Then they walked away not knowing they'd done anything wrong. <laughs> so yeah, like this is crazy. Staff at the gallery immediately notified police after they noticed the new brush strokes on March 28th. So the very same day. And the security footage clearly showed like who had committed the crime and the couple was found. They expressed sincere embarrassment when they were questioned. Like they genuinely did not know. And honestly, I can see their point of view because when else have you really seen a painting in a museum with like you know, cans of paint and paintbrushes just sitting there right in front of it. And to be honest with you, like it's a gorgeous piece, but it does look like something that anyone could do, you know? And I don't mean to say that because I don't want to discredit the work, but if you know what I mean, it's like not something where it's like a landscape or a person. It's very abstract. So it almost looks like a bunch of people have taken a stab at it already and Everyone has added a new color and it's this fun collaborative thing. Okay, so naturally everyone at the museum was panicked about this because this was a huge, very popular piece in the gallery and it had been defaced and they'd done nothing to prevent it. Like really nothing besides put that one line there. Honestly surprised it didn't happen sooner, like given the presentation of it, but untitled that piece was actually still on display um, at the museum until June 13th, 2021. And I read that the artist wished to fix the painting to restore it. So like John Wom was going to come in and fix it, get it back to its original look and value. But I'm not really sure what ended up happening as I haven't really found any updates on it online. I think everyone was very embarrassed that it happened. The artist was probably pissed. So at the time, back then, the museum heads said this about the incident. They like put this out into the press. They said, we called the police immediately. We talked to the insurance company for the damaged work. But as the agency in charge, we will do our best to minimize the harm to the couple who unintentionally vandalized the work. They thought they were allowed to do that as participatory art and made a mistake. So it sounds like they were trying to protect the couple. It was more so their fault. Like They should have put up a sign that says, like, don't touch, right? Or something like that, which apparently now... This painting has been displayed elsewhere, and it includes now a small fence preventing audiences from approaching it and signs instructing 
do not touch, which is probably for the best. Like, yes, that's probably for the best. Anyway, so yeah, two stories, one about a painting sitting in a closet for decades and no one knows or appreciates it, and another about this very appreciated work that was accidentally (laughs) defaced, a $440,000 painting defaced. But now you probably know where I was going with the earlier little sappy thing I was saying about feeling like no one recognizes your greatness. And these are two stories that kind of talk about that a little bit, I think, in their own ways. And if we go back to the first story and talk about, you know, the painting that was tucked away that no one appreciated or people like blatantly were not like for it, if the one story is true of this mysterious person throwing it in the closet that I kind of made up, but you know, like the women's club not really appreciating it or thinking it was okay at the time, like that's a whole, you know, time and place situation. But metaphorically speaking, feeling like no one sees you, like you're literally invisible and people are walking by you without seeing you. Like I've been there before, I think more so in my high school years, I really, really felt invisible. And now as my confidence has grown, I do feel less invisible to the right people. Like the right people do see me and those that don't, don't really deserve a place in my life or don't really deserve much of my energy, if that makes sense. You know, the people that have ghosted me, the people that have decided I'm not for them or I'm too much or whatever, that really don't see me for who I am, don't deserve a place in my life. And I'm starting to just kind of make that my mantra, you know, and your energy is expensive. Like your time, (laughs) if you think about it, like the energy you give, that's currency. And yeah, you have to be kind of frugal with it and figure out who's worth it. And truly, if you think about Robert, the guy that discovered the artwork in the closet, it only really takes one person sometimes to see you for your whole life to change. But that being said, you can't wait around for that to happen. You have to live your life. And so I think of it romantically, like Robert being someone that will eventually understand and see my worth. And I will love them to pieces for it, but I'm not going to put my life on hold to wait for that day. Like I'm going to show myself my worth and surround myself with friends and family members that see it already and don't need to be convinced. And that is on that. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) those are two stories for you guys about art today. If you guys are interested in these, please let me know. I loved hearing, like I said earlier in the top of the episode, how much you guys loved last week's episode. I'm definitely planning some more in the future like that. I'd like to spice up every week and give you guys a different taste every week, like something special and new. So every time you click on thick and thin, you get something fresh. And I hope that this one was good for you guys. I hope that you can sit with these stories and really think about them and be like, wow, well, you know, I'm having a bad day, but at least I didn't accidentally deface a painting. Like at least I didn't accidentally vandalize. Like, oh, I had a bad date. That's even better. Like, oh, you think you went on a bad date? No, like (laughs) these people went on a bad date. I wonder if they ever got charged for it. There was um, some reports saying that they were going to be fined for it, but I don't know if they ever were. Again, there's not much on this. I guess it was a year or two years ago almost, but anyway, (laughs) that's my story, guys, or my stories rather. Thank you all for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next Thursday. Bye. Bye.